we have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today. Sponsoring this episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood today is me and myself. So I, aside from doing this podcast, I also have a business called My Bump to Baby and My Bump to Baby is one of the UK's leading parenting platforms. I launched My Bump to Baby as a blog back in 2016 and I did this on a shoestring budget. I was on maternity leave and I didn't want to go back to work full time. That's the long and short of it. I learned everything there was to know about blogging and now thousands of parents visit my website every single day and I earn an incredible income through my blog as a result. The great thing about blogging is that you can work in your own time and at your own pace and the sky is literally your limit when it comes to growing your income through blogging. The great thing about blogging is I now can enjoy my life doing whatever I want during the day and parents are automatically finding my blog through search engines generating me an income whilst I am busy enjoying life. If you love the idea of launching your own passive income blog, you can access my course in the link below. This is where I share all of my secrets on the blogging formula to success. If you would like access to all of my training, all of my email templates, all of my checklists, my media kits and so much more, you can click the link below and if you're ready to start blogging today, you can use the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, all in capital letters for a massive 15% off my course today. I hope to see you over there. Hello everybody and welcome to series four, episode one of 50 Shades of Motherhood. As I previously mentioned, this series is all about honest, raw, real, uncensored chats around motherhood. And today I am joined by my good friend, Katie Mason, and we're going to be talking all about our 
pregnancy fertility journey. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I just do want to put a bit of a trigger warning there as well. A lot of you are aware, but I have suffered from miscarriages and also fertility issues. So I will be touching on those in this episode. I hope you enjoy this episode and do feel free to message us, tag us in any pictures, let me know where you're listening from and I will share it on my story. You can do that at my bump to baby and that's a number two there. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you find it funny. I hope you have a laugh with us and I hope you enjoy it. Hello everybody and welcome to 50 Shades of Motherhood. I actually had to think then what I was actually recording. So I'm really excited to have you all back here. And I have a very special guest, my friend Katie Mason on the show today. So hello, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Glad to be on. I'm glad to have you on. It's so nice to actually have, I feel like it's a good time for us to catch up as well about where we've been this last kind of I can't remember the last episode I recorded I know it was a while ago and the reason why I've had such a big break for those of you that might be wondering is I was trying to conceive for so long and then I got pregnant with Olivia and I was so scared throughout the whole pregnancy that I thought to myself right I didn't even recall I just didn't want to tell anyone I was pregnant you know I didn't want to say the words out loud and talk about it in case I was getting excited and I didn't want to get excited. Yeah, didn't feel like the right time, but now it's come to a natural point. Like a lot's happened, hasn't it? It it has. So um, I thought, obviously, we've invited you on. We're in a bit of a similar situation at the moment, aren't we, with our journey? So do you want to introduce yourself, Katie, uh, to everybody? Yeah, so, well, we've been friends. How long have we been friends for? I don't know. We met through a mutual friend, didn't we? Is it about 10 years? Yeah, about 10 years. But yeah around that time but we just hit it off didn't we so yeah we um, did. it's really nice that we've we've got we've had little babies at the same time roughly haven't we um yeah. a few months in between but um I've got um Clay who's three months old yesterday um and um obviously I'm off on maternity leave at the moment so that gives us a bit of time to catch up so perfect to, I mean we've we've had a few catch-ups haven't we and realized there's so much to talk about um, being new mums and also the journeys that we've been on together and it, it, our individual journeys it's it's nice to chat um, but I'm a personal trainer by trade um, I've been a personal trainer for 10 years into fitness and health um, and find myself at this point now I'm 41 um, and I've just had my second child with a 13 year age gap so it's all a massive uh, culture shock again it's like doing it from from the beginning um and uh yeah I'm enjoying it all uh we were at uh, what's it called baby sensory weren't we baby sensory on Friday and I was like this is really nice I've got more friends at this age with young babies than I had when I was 27 when I had my first son no. so, yeah. I think it seems so I I was 29 when I accidentally got pregnant with George and that was I've told you all before it's like the pull-out method that just did not work I mean <laughs> I listened to my friend yeah she was like honestly it really works and all in the while her kids are like playing in the background all three of them under three and I was like really anyway that's another story but I think for both of us our journey to get our rainbow babies has been quite a challenge hasn't it really yeah yeah. I I would like to talk a little bit about your journey and and how I mean you've obviously met your partner and you've decided to have another child um, quite quite a bit down the line compared to where 
your first child was born. I mean, how yeah. old is he now? He's um, my eldest son, Atoro, is thirteen, um, and I was single, single parent with him for uh, about nine years. I was on my own with him from when he was fourteen months old until he was ten. So um, yeah, I met my my partner Connor. Um, three years ago and we decided quite quickly that we had a future together and there's a bit of an age difference I always wanted one more child um Connor was like oh well I'll take it or leave it you know I'm happy to be a parent I'm, I just want to be with the right person so that was really nice and reassuring um but we decided after about a year because of my age let's get cracking you know let's mm -hmm. let's have a baby together and complete our family um which is what I always wanted so um it's a bit of a journey, wasn't it, really? Uh, yes, it was. It's it's a weird story. So it's not your it's not your typical um can't conceive story, although it started out feeling like that. Um so Connor and I um started trying and we decided because we'd only been together a year at that point, we just wanted to do it quite laid back and relaxed. We weren't putting pressure on it. We didn't mind if it took a year or when it happened, but we just decided obviously no contraception I'd had my coil taken out and um we'll just we'll just let nature take its course so that's what we did um and during lockdown a few of Connor's friends who'd not been in relationships that long with the per the partner either you know they they had babies and it kind of after a while I was like hmm this isn't this isn't really happening I was like well, is it my age like do I need to do something different because I'm a bit older do I need so, to put my legs up after sex that's what no, I try oh, cool. yeah <laughs> so uh yeah so I thought like a little a little niggle was in the back of my mind because when I had a Toro my first son um I was pregnant after a month so it was easy so I had it in my head like I'm this dead fertile person mm -hmm. I'm fit I'm healthy I'm a personal trainer this will be a doddle um but then the little niggle was but you're older now is it going to be different because you're older? Mm. So um, I decided um, I had um, some friends also going through like IVF. We'd spoken, you know, your mm. journey takes a while. And I was like, no, I need to be aware of this. Um, it, you know, I haven't got time to, to, to let this go on for two or three years. So um, I had um, fertility tests. You know, my my fertile age was like a bit younger than what I was. It was kind of I was like 36 in my fertility window rather than um, whatever age I was at the time, maybe 38. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that was all looking good. I went and had the ultrasound scan. I had like, you know, my eggs counted. Everything was looking fine. And anyway, in the end, oh, no, so, yeah, I missed a little bit out because I, a, a specialist that I saw, I was under this gynecologist for my coil. So he'd removed my coil for me, and I just mentioned to him I'm struggling to conceive. So he was the one who did those initial tests. Um, and um, he put me on, what do you call it? Um, Clomid, is it? Have you heard yeah. of Clomid? Yeah. So it's to make you um, ovulate. Um, and I was on that for three months, went all puffy, gained a bit of weight, felt dead lethargic. But I thought, no, sold you through. Take this tablet every day. It's going to help. Anyway, still no pregnancy. So I was then referred to um, somebody, a, a, another gynecologist who was more of an expert in fertility. And he immediately ordered some tests, did some scans. And uh, I'll just roll on with this story because it's, uh, it's a bit of a, a longer one. But 
I, eventually I went for a, a scan of my uterus just to see that everything was okay and fresh and healthy because there was no reason why I wasn't falling pregnant. And this lady's doing this scan. I'm lying there with this gown up, the cold jelly on my belly, you know, put my people in the room. And um, I'm thinking, oh, God, I hope they don't find, you know, a cyst or they say something's wrong with your ovaries or something's not right. Um, and the lady says to me, so um, you're trying to conceive? And I said, yeah. Um, and she said, but you've got a coil. And literally could have dropped a pin in the room. And I, and, I, and I just had to think to myself, I was like, no, I haven't got a coil. I've had my coil taken out. And she just flipped the screen around on the ultrasound and there was this iron anchor sat in my uterus and I just went white. And I remember thinking to myself, what the, what the hell is going on here? I distinctly remember, like you say, legs on the table, having that coil removed a few years ago here. What is going on? So anyway. Oh my God, all that time wasted. Honestly, you know, at this point I'm pushing 40 and I'm thinking, oh, I've got, you know, I'm going to run out of time. It's not going to happen. And um, long story short, I'd had some surgery 10 years previously. Um, I'd had my first ever coil put in just after my son uh, was about 18 months old. And it hadn't agreed with me. It caused some bleeding and it wouldn't stop. So I was advised to have it taken out under anesthetic to have these damaged cells cauterized to stop this heavy bleeding. And whilst we were at it, why not just put fresh marina coil in um, to, you know, ensure that you, you're covered that way in one hit. So I did all that, went on about my life for 10 years. Um, and as it happened, the surgeon had forgotten during that surgery whilst I was under anesthetic to remove the copper coil. So when it was investigated, the coil was the 10-year-old copper coil that I was meant to be allergic to or had reaction oh. to that should have been removed so yeah that isn't your typical you know fertility story is it but it did lead me to be the age of nearly two four days off my 41st birthday when I gave birth to Clay so yeah it did it, it gobbled up a big chunk of time gosh <laughs> that is shocking isn't it I mean it's bad enough when you think have I left a tampon in you know like but to actually exactly. you, you you would think that they'd just take it out wouldn't you you trust them to take it out yeah. um so god that I mean it's good that you were so adamant and pushing forward for these tests because some people might just go on for a, a lot longer and just think they can't conceive yeah that's it and and had I not decided to have another child that rotten old coil would still be sat in there now oh god crawl thinking about oh it. god but um yeah i had loads of side effects over the years yeah i'd been back and forward with tummy pains infections oh. different things i was told at one point by somebody who did an ultrasound that i just had a big ball of wind and that's why i had belly ache oh so, nice yeah, yeah. I was, well i have got ibs so you know maybe i should believe them even though it is a sharp stabbing pain but, but when yeah. you're told by a health professional you know that that's what it is you believe it don't you um you don't think to question it so oh goodness yeah. wow so uh, in, in that process I'd already started the ball rolling thinking I'm gonna have to have IVF I'd been mm. for a consultation for IVF um I hadn't obviously started any treatment yet because this was discovered just before I was um due to start like looking into the the start of an IVF journey um they took the coil out 
Um, and this is where our rainbow baby story kind of interlinks because I fell pregnant straight away, obviously over the moon, so, so happy. Um, Connor was so happy. It was a shock that it happened so quickly once the, the coil was removed. Um, but sadly, I did miscarry that, that pregnancy at eight weeks um, and two days. Like, you know it to the day, don't you? When yeah. Three weeks and two days. Um, and I was, uh, you know, I was devastated. It was, it was just awful because so much had gone into this pregnancy and um, thinking for eight weeks or however many weeks you know you're pregnant, that you're there, you've done it. Yeah. And the little one's grown inside you and then it was gone. So that no. was it is so sad and I think it's hard when you miscarry early as well and because you so you don't want to tell anyone so early yeah. so you're so excited inside and you're having all these thoughts like oh at Christmas they'll be this age and oh they'll you know that they'll, they'll go to school with that person it's really hard when one of your friends is pregnant around the time you miscarry as well because that happened to me one of my best friends in fact I told her I was like you need to try for a baby now I'm pregnant so she did she got pregnant and obviously then I lost mine so then that whole time you think oh my goodness like it, it's just so hard isn't it it's like a pin in time isn't it because you know their baby in relation to when yours should have been due so yeah you, you never forget well oh, my baby would be that age now or oh, my oh. baby that. You, you do don't you it's you can't help it it's just natural to think that way isn't it, it it is and it's every time I see twins every time I see twins or someone talks about twins it naturally in my mind I think oh I should have had twins you know and yeah. I'm intrigued by it but it's just it is one of those things isn't it unfortunately mm -hmm. like you just I think sometimes when it when it does happen it's just little triggers that you always get in your mind like when someone says something yeah. or and you think oh and it never really does go away but you just no, learn to you learn to kind of accept it don't you really yeah. I suppose and I've only I've only more now accepted it since I've got Olivia before Olivia I really struggled for you know that I mean it, it got to the point where when we'd have a drink together you know I'd start all fine and everything by the end of the night I was like in tears like yeah, yeah. I was crying and then yeah. I thought I mean lockdown was a really good thing for me because yeah. I couldn't see anybody and I think around that time I was really struggling mentally yeah. um and that's when my health anxiety was at an all-time high and then recording these podcasts and speaking to all these brave people that are going through you know cancer treatments and all of that I think it just really triggered like you know like I just my empathy is so high that I think I couldn't sleep at night after speaking to people. And I don't know, it's just so hard, isn't it? You know, when you're going yeah. through all, so many people are going through things at the moment. But when it comes to, I get quite a lot of messages on Instagram from people that have tried trying to conceive or they've miscarried before. Yeah. And just just to be able to kind of give people a bit of hope is, is really nice. Yeah. But then it's you feel... You feel guilty. I feel guilty, though, sometimes. I, I post a lot less than I used to on Instagram through guilt because I I feel like all those people that were following me were following me while I was trying to conceive, and and some of them haven't got that baby at the end of it yet, and it's the guilt yeah. that I feel yeah. like. Yeah. That, that, what, what you just said earlier, it's hope, isn't it? People see that it's it's it, it, it can happen at any point and it takes you by surprise because you get into this mindset that this is hard. This is, this isn't going to happen without, you know, a struggle and, you know, maybe I will need IVF. Maybe I'll need intervention. Then suddenly it happens mm. and you're like, Oh my God, if someone could have told me two years ago, 
at this point in time, on this date, you're going to get what you want eventually, you'd have just had a laugh for those two years. You'd have just, you know, you wouldn't have wound yourself up with the anxiety, you'd have part, you know, you just enjoyed life. Yeah. But you don't know, do you? Life's a roller coaster and I think after that low is a good high, isn't it? It is. I think sometimes, this is what I say about boyfriends, actually, because I've had a few and I'd say, like, I wish yeah. someone told me that I'd meet Danny when I did, so I wouldn't waste yeah. time. With all oh, these yeah. other ones in between, because pointless, pointless. Yeah. I should have just got yeah. a vibrator and been happy until yeah. I met Danny. That would just be perfect. And just gone out with your friends and enjoyed life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All that time wasted. Go for a narcissist and this, that and the other in the meantime, don't we? I know. We have to kiss a few frogs, don't we? I mean, they've not all been bad. I just want to state that. I've had some lovely boyfriends. But just, you know, I, I wish I'd have waited, you know. Yeah. Yeah. then maybe I won't be the person I am today. Yeah, you're looking for the right person at the end of the day. And sometimes you have to take a few uh, frogs on the way, don't you? Oh, you do. (laughs) You do. That's it. So so with our pregnancy journeys then, I know there'll be probably people listening that might be pregnant with a rainbow baby now. Now, I want to talk about how stressful that is. I mean, I remember Mm. studying Morrison's and I was just shopping, getting like, I'd buy the odd little thing for Olivia, but I was a bit too scared to, you know, only the cheapy things just in case I lost her. And I felt like water. It feels like warmth coming out of my fairy. And I was like, what the hell is that? But I linked that to blood because yeah. that is what it was like last time I miscarried. And every single time that had happened, I'd be like, oh, my God. And obviously, you're in a shop, so you can't – I was shaking, thinking, oh, my God, am I miscarrying again? And then it's like carrying on doing the whole food shop while you're thinking what's going on in my pants. Yeah. And then and then I'd, like, brave up the courage to kind of go to the bathroom, and it would be like, ooh. And, and luckily, you know, it's just the good old, you know, discharge yeah. you get during pregnancy. But um, that whole – thing was terrifying I mean I was pregnancy testing every week to yeah. the point I actually ended up with a negative pregnancy test at my doctor's do you remember that um yeah I think you said I yeah. was bleeding I was bleeding from week five to week eight which for someone that's had miscarriages before I thought right it's over went to my doctor's did the test there negative so I was like oh it's happened again and I was crying and crying anyway and then I don't know why I did another test I think he said do another one when you get home and I did, and it was bright red, and I was thinking, two lines, and I was like, what the hell, am I pregnant, am I not? Then I got into a private scam, but that was a few days away, so I had a few days where I was like, I don't know if I am or if I'm not, yeah. my boobs are still sore, and it's just the whole thing is so terrifying. Comparison from when you have a straightforward pregnancy, when I had my elder son, I had a scan at 12 weeks, uh, wait, wait, did you have your first scan at 12 weeks? Yeah. yeah. And then one at 20 weeks. And the rest of the pregnancy, I didn't even think twice. I got about my, went about my life, you know, I didn't think for a second. Whereas after my miscarriage and then being pregnant with Clay, that was five months later, um, like you say, it's, I mean, the nitty gritty of it is every time you go to the toilet and you wipe, you're expecting to see blood, aren't you? You're oh. expecting the worst from day dot. And um, yeah, Let alone when it, you need a number two, because when you need a number two, I was terrified to go. I was so terrified to go because I, I actually thought in my head, what if I push the baby out? Like, oh, you I know, know. I'm so stupid. I thought that would put too much pressure on. Because you get yeah. like, well, everything kind of kind of 
your body slows down a little bit, doesn't it? And I was on progesterone um, to prolong my pregnancy. From from the moment I found out, because I've had quite a few miscarriages, I was put on progesterone, which can kind of slow things down uh, that way. And then, you know, if you did need the bathroom, it would be like, well, I don't want to push because I don't want to bleed. And, you know, so there's all of that side of things as well. Like it's, it's not just, and then people talking to you about your pregnancy. I didn't even want to talk about it. Yeah. You get people, people don't know what to say. Do they? Some people bring up the miscarriage you've had whilst you're pregnant again. And you're like, so please, you know, that's not appropriate. Not today. Enjoy this uh, yeah. for now. Um, but yeah, it's going for the scans. I can't describe just like you've got your heart in your mouth, haven't you? Mm. You go in, you're lying on that table and you're just waiting for them to give you bad news. And then they say heartbeat and the relief. <sighs> like my partner used to cry every time. Oh. You know, we're going like, We'd, we'd just we'd just be nervous wrecks. Oh um, gosh! Because my my miscarriage was a missed miscarriage, so I had no idea I'd miscarried until we turned up for a private scan mm. and covered. Expecting to get these little photographs to show everyone and announce our news. Obviously, you know, mm. discovered that the pregnancy had ended. So scans for us were a massive trigger. Same. Um, yes. It's awful. That that's the first one with the twins. That was my first ever miscarriage that I know that I know of. But that was the same. Went in for the scan. Even paid for the photos. I mean, that's a double even hit, isn't it? You know, you pay oh at the beginning because you pay yeah. at the beginning when you go yeah. in. Yeah. And then you know, then you're told no. And and I don't know. Was this at the? Or yours wasn't at the um, hospital, but mine. I saw it was a, eventually because the oh, private scan people referred me. Oh, they didn't oh, tell me that this was what was awful about this company we went to. The, you know, I, I don't want to individually target a company, but the people now that some people have got a scan machine in a cupboard in a pram shop and they're doing a scan and it's not professional doing it and it just that makes it so much worse and this scan was really unprofessional and the lady the panic on her face she didn't know what to do what to tell us she didn't tell us anything so I'm looking at her face trying to read what's going on there's no sound on there anyway so there's no missing heartbeat you don't know and they just said we can't get a clear scan you're gonna have to go to the bit so uh I'm going we've lost the baby my partner's going don't be silly they just you know they just want us to go for reassurance don't be daft so then we had to wait we sat on the grass outside the early pregnancy unit at the Vic and just waited and waited until they'd fit us in because uh, I said I can't go anywhere or do anything until I know what's happening anyway that was our miscarriage that time it's so it heartbreaking was, they were brilliant at the hospital, though. They were, re- they were really good. They're so good in that early pregnancy unit, actually, the Black- Blackpool Vic. I've been in there so many times for, yeah. like, well, obviously all my miscarriages, like, all started off in there, the bleeding and stuff like that. But yeah. that, um, they are they are really good in there. But it is so hard. The whole the whole thing is just traumatising. And, and, you know, years ago, I was so naive to it. And I used to hear people, oh, I had a miscarriage, and I used to not really think much of it. And I really like not not I just think oh you'll be okay you know it'll all all be fine and and you know and but until you actually go through it yeah I think it's you don't realize that it's all those thoughts that you have the excitement the outfits you're looking at straight away you know is it a boy is it a girl and oh just picturing those days what's kind of weird about our society as well is we do this thing of not telling anyone for 12 weeks 
So because no one knows you're pregnant, I mean, obviously that's to cover you for miscarriage, isn't it? But mm. I actually don't think it's very healthy because nobody knows you're pregnant. So if you miscarry during that time, people are just kind of finding out that you're pregnant and that you've lost the baby at once. And they kind of presume it's not that much of a big deal because mm. they didn't know how long you had this, this warm feeling for that you're yeah. pregnant and all your expectations and hopes. So until it's happened to you, you're right. You just kind of think, oh, we'll be all right. Yeah. in a couple of months because you don't have the same feeling because it's a distance thing it's it's your baby isn't it at the end of the day it's your yeah. it's your baby that you made together and it's it's heartbreaking it really yeah. is and yeah, you already named them in your head and imagined what they look like so oh yeah. you do I know is it a girl is it a boy and then it's like right when will I be 16 weeks I could find out around then everything's mapped out isn't it oh they'll go to school with them they'll do that with them and it's just like the whole thing is you know it's definitely been a re-education for me on how to speak to people who've had miscarriages and what is like what is the right thing to do because I think a lot of people don't know what what should I do and they just kind of try and brush it aside and talk about something else but I, yeah. I kind of felt when it happened to me, I wanted like my close friends or even like my clients who, and because I decided to make an announcement and say, look, this is what's happened to me because I was going through it and I didn't want to be turning up to work and feeling like, can people see a bump, a little bump there mm-hmm. still, you know, and I just felt I wanted to explain this is, I've been through this. Um, and I would, and, and I just appreciated people saying, I know, I know what you've been through. I'm sorry about that. And that's all. That was that yeah. was that's all you need, isn't it? Mm. Rather than like you've hid this big secret and you're grieving and you can't say anything to anyone and no one knows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just and I think that the feeling of like not being in control of your own body is frightening. You know, like the fact of the miscarriage. And I think that's where my health anxiety really, I mean, I think I've always had it, but it got re- a lot worse when I'd had quite a few miscarriages because, I, you know, you blame yourself. Did I do something wrong? Did I eat something wrong? Was it that wine that I had when I didn't know I was pregnant? You know, like, and all you of really those want, things. You want a reason, don't you? You yeah. want to say that has happened because of this. And then you can go forward and make sure you don't do that. Or that yeah. I had COVID. So I'd had a little scan at six weeks. There was a heartbeat. Then I had COVID. Uh, they couldn't get a picture at six weeks because it was too early. They said, come back in a couple of weeks. So within that two weeks of me having COVID, so I'm obviously in my mind, I'm like, it was COVID that did it. Mm. Um, but maybe not, you know, maybe that just, it was just one of those fluke things that was always going to happen. You know, who mm. knows? It is awful. It really is. I mean, that's, well, my, my pregnancy, I would have thought I was just hoping for a normal kind of pregnancy. And I want to talk a little bit around this because I think it's quite important for anyone that's had smear tests in the past where they've come back with abnormal cells. Obviously, I'd encourage anybody to go for a smear test. But what happened is I had to have cells burnt away. Um, have you had this before, Katie? No, I had an abnormal result once. And when I went back, it was okay. Uh, it happens frequently doesn't it yeah and I had to have cells burnt away um and then they cut some of the cervix off now I remember when they cut some of the cervix away to send off to check that the cells had gone I remember looking in the jar and I was like what's that as I was leaving and they were like oh that's your cervix well it was it was like that right Mm -hmm. that they'd cut off didn't think anything of it 
had obviously these recurrent miscarriages and after you've had three they measure your cervix when you go for your scan so they measured it at 16 weeks it was okay and then they measured it at 20 weeks and the woman there she was like right this is not good you know we have no choice but we need to put a stitch in because you will not carry this baby to term so obviously for me you know with the rainbow baby I think it got to a point where you know, I felt so bad because it's my body that's letting this baby down. She's healthy. She's fine. And I was like, so she said, you need to come back tomorrow and I'm going to be the surgeon and I'm going to put a stitch in your cervix to keep it closed. Anyway, so it's a bit like a procedure, like a C-section. So you go in, you don't eat, um, you go in, you wait. I waited all day. I think it ended up, yeah, she was on till six o'clock, um, this particular surgeon. And she said, there's no choice. We have to put the stitch in because that'll be it basically so I was terrified um and anyway I went in and literally because there was emergencies before me which obviously should always go first I went in for the c-section and it was five past six I had my legs up on the table I'd had the injection in my back and this guy walks in and I was like this isn't the surgeon that I was going to have oh sorry she finished at six um it's now five past six so he came in and in a way I wonder whether I should be so thankful for this because he came in and he was down there a while and you know when you can hear talking and stuff and I you know I'm terrified of everything anyway and he said I'm really sorry and I thought he was going to say the baby's gone and he said I can't do this stitch and I said why he said if I do this stitch it's going to burst the waters and you're going to give birth well question is because she told me I had no choice would she have done it and would that yeah. have happened? And would I have lost Olivia that way? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he said, go away. What will happen will happen. And when you're ready to try again, um, come back. We'll put a stitch higher up. So you'd have to have her operation before you start trying again. And that will keep the baby in. They yeah. can't do that at the moment because obviously she's grown and the bag's too low down. Anyway, so I went home and it was almost like they said, you know, sorry, there's nothing more we can do. And I was terrified for actually having to give birth to a live baby and watching them die. I mean, that's, that was the extreme. That's what I was worried about mostly um, because at the point I was 20 weeks then and I knew that the, our hospital at Blackpool, there were, I think, I don't want to say what level, but I don't think that a level two hospital basically will step in from 22 weeks if a baby's born and try, which Preston Hospital, which is the nearest one to us, is a level two um, hospital. So they would have done that. But I was before that. So I knew what I had to do in my mind is think, right, I need to get through each week. And so I had to get to 22 weeks in my mind. And then I knew if I went into labour, I'd just drive straight to, well, I wouldn't, someone would drive me, (laughs) straight to Preston Hospital or Burnley. And I actually rang those hospitals and I said, I'm not a member of this hospital, but if I turned up what would happen and they said well we wouldn't send you away so I thought that's as good enough for me because if I transferred over to them I'd have to go for all my scans there and I didn't want I couldn't put I had to go on bed rest didn't I yeah Uh, and all of that so do you remember I was on a holiday when you found that news out and we were voice noting and honestly my heart was in my throat for you and um I'd had my my sisters had twins um the grown they're teenagers now nearly but um they were born very, very early, and I was getting advice off her. Going oh, back yeah. to you, you were like, "No, I've got this plan. I'm going to get on the motorway. I'm going to get straight to Burnley." Yeah, I had to almost kind of picture what would happen. You know, like I had to always have 
something as a way that I could try and save her if she did come. So anyway, I went on the internet and I looked into this short cervix and I joined a group and it's a group of women and they all had stitches, really most of them. I couldn't have the stitch. I didn't have a choice. Anyway, these women were like, I demand, you know, you need to make demands, you need to get it. And I thought, no, you know, I've been, I'd rather you know, some of them had gone for the stitch and unfortunately the waters had gone and the babies oh, died. Nice. Um, so it was like, so what I decided to do is I followed, a, there was a couple of women that I found that actually went on to have healthy babies at the end of it. And when I looked at them, what they did is they went on bed rest. Now our hospital said, absolutely don't go on bed rest. It's not good for you. But luckily, because I worked for myself, I just thought, you know, what's the harm in me just doing it? So I did it from yeah. week 20 to week 27. And then from week 27, I sat up at this desk and worked for a couple of hours each day just to, you know, work is my kind of, that's yeah. where I lose myself and I enjoy. Um, but yeah, and then I never thought I'd get to 39 weeks because you were at my baby shower, weren't you? 33 yeah. weeks. Yeah. And yeah. that was, that was, even then I was like so scared every minute of every day, but I made it to 39 weeks, can't believe it. And she's Nearly one now. In your mind, I bet you thought she's at least going to come early. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know you were trying to get to all these landmarks, weren't you? This date, that date, then this date, and surpassed everything and got to 39 weeks. I know. But you made a decision there, like complete self-sacrifice. You know, you didn't go out. You didn't really see your friends. You sat in that bed and waited for your baby to grow, didn't you? Yeah, I did. You know, it's it's so lovely that you got Olivia at the end of it. Yeah, it helps that I'm a bit lazy, though does help that I don't mind lying on the couch and stuff like that watching I actually do you know what it was in a way that you know how obsessed I used to be with work and stuff and I know I am still a little bit now but that was all anxiety I think um I've had since George was born my channel for when I feel most relaxed is when I'm working because otherwise my mind's going all over I beat myself up constantly don't I about everything I'm like one of these people that overthinker (laughs) criticize myself constantly and the only time I don't do that is while I'm working and actually that actually made me realize like that I could actually just be you know like that time I just lay on the couch and I just lay there watching programs stuff in my face and loving life and (laughs) apart from that part of it you know of making sure Olivia because every every blooming toilet trip I was absolutely petrified I'd literally shake you know it was it was awful but anyway that that actually enabled me to learn to actually relax a little bit and actually enjoy my own company and I read a yeah. few books and things like that things that I never did before my my anxiety is so much better since then yeah that and that and without the espressos <laughs> oh gosh yeah that you didn't realize I mean once I, I did a, a plan with Katie was it the six-week bikini program you do yeah you just did it as a distraction to like get your health uh give your health a boost and all of that didn't you and uh, maybe maybe shed a couple of pounds but yeah and Katie yeah. said like how many coffees do you have a day and I was like oh uh how many did I say Twelve espressos a day. Oh my god! Yeah, still alive. I couldn't actually. And do you know what? That is probably where the anxiety came from because my heart was racing constantly all the time. Racing, I was on edge all the time. And now I think to myself, probably the coffee. Actually, I did did a consultation, didn't I? A health consultation with you, and I was. I remember going through the answers, right? Because I do it with every client. I'm looking for reasons why you know they're either not succeeding on a health or fitness journey and there is always a reason you know it might be 
a couple of wines every single night or too much coffee, like stopping you from sleeping. So you're tired, so you eat junk. There's always something. And I remember reading through your form and then getting to this thing, 12 espressos. And I messaged you straight away and you were like, yeah, but I've got this new coffee machine. It's great. I can't oh, it's stop great, honestly. <laughs> I was like, it's not that great. It's probably making you feel really ill. Probably so, not helping with trying to get pregnant either, I imagine. No, because no, your cortisol levels, your stress hormone would have been through the roof. And that's telling your body, you know, there's something dangerous going on out there and not a good time to get pregnant. Do but you know, I made that green drink straight away to get your pH levels balanced. And in. after that green drink, I did actually get pregnant, didn't I? I got yeah. pregnant after that green drink. So if anyone wants to know who that are, it, what that is, message me or Katie and we'll, we'll share yeah. it with you. It's called Super Greens, isn't it? Doctor, yeah. I want to call it Dr. Schultz, but it's not, is it? Yeah, it's Superfood Plus by Dr. Well, it's Schultz's, I think. Do you know, I've used it for years and I don't know how to pronounce it because I've only ever read it off the bottle. Um, but I've, I've had quite a few clients who've started a health journey and they've struggled to conceive, and then they, they do get pregnant. I'm not saying that's the golden ticket for everyone, but sometimes your underlying health, even though you might not be overweight or you might feel like you're okay, there could be like a little issue there that's just st standing in the way. Um, and I don't know if the green drink's a bit of a miracle path, it's obviously not, but um, I know it's a lot awful. Yeah, it does taste gross. You've got to have like... Smells like a pet shop. You know when you used to walk in a pet shop years ago as a kid? Yeah. If you yeah. smell it, it actually smells like a pet shop. Yeah, or it's like I say to my clients sometimes, it's like the bottom of a cup of soup, isn't it? That clumpy, oh. horrible bit that's left. It's, it's, like, it's like trying to drink that. And people always message me going, how do you drink this drink? Like, can I put sweet juice with it or something? And I'm like, nope. You You've just, just got to shot accept. it. It's good for you and get it down. It, you do get used to it. You do get used to it. In fact, I've still got that in the cupboard, actually. I do need to get that out because I did I did find it really, really good. I felt great from it. Yeah. Um, What's good about it as well, you can take it whilst you're pregnant. So I drank yeah. it all through the pregnancy because you can't have half of the vitamins uh, off the shelf, can you? Only no. Ones. And um, I, I, I carried on with it. So it just gives you a little bit of a spring in your step. It does. The placebo. I'm pretty sure it does make you healthy. I think it does make you healthy. I think anything green for me, you know, <laughs> is, is a win because my plate, if, if it was my choice for the rest of my life, would be beige. I just love yeah. chips. I love potatoes, all of those things. But when I have something green, I think feel like it, it does me good. Yeah. It, well, it normally does. It normally does. does. Green, <laughs> green chewings. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah. As soon as you're pregnant, though, I think you just, your cravings take over, don't they? And it's, oh, you know, the yeah. stage food, the chips, chips with salt on, things like that. Oh, you know, yeah. What were your cra cravings, Katie? So this pregnancy, I went through some, some oddish ones at the beginning, and then they kind of balanced out. My first one was cheese, and mm -hmm. I just wanted cheese on everything. I was like, can I put, is it acceptable to put cheese on top of that? I was putting it on all these different mm. weird things. Cheese and jam in croissants. That was oh. my previous pregnancy. I loved that. But then I went into, um, you know, those spicy pickled uh, jalapenos, like the long ones. Yeah, you yeah. Know? You just pick them out of a jar and eat them like that. I was just nipping to the fridge and just eating these whole chilies. Oh, God. I don't know why. It just, I, I, I just loved them. Yeah. I went off that. And then as, as my sort of got into my second trimester, I feel like my, my craving was just food. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The same. I'm so hungry. <laughs> Do you know, I got obsessed with them um, cold coffees from Aldi. I was obsessed. We had to fill the fridge. Obviously, coffee again. But <laughs> I must be obsessed with it. <laughs> that was it. Honestly, I just loved them so much. And I'd sometimes I'd like wake up so excited to have it. And I'd make sure like I'd had it as late in the day as possible so I could be excited for longer. It's sad, really, actually. Um, I haven't had them since, but... Yeah, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, you've got to just go with the flow a little bit with the cravings whilst you're pregnant, haven't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. Did, did you tell us before you were 12 weeks? I can't remember. I didn't this time. On my, my first um, pregnancy that I lost, you were pregnant at the time, weren't you? That's oh, how I was going to linked. We went to our friend's party, didn't we? And you were dressed as baby carrying a watermelon. Which oh, I yeah. Because Thank you. Bump. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I was pregnant yeah. at the time. Uh, okay. And, um, at this party, I was um, put. I was like, I've got to make sure nobody. I just found out I was pregnant a week before, and I thought I've got to make sure nobody realizes I'm not drinking because I'm not telling anyone yet. And I was pouring my own lemonades, and and I remember just like kind of sidestepping up to you with my lemonade and being like, you being like, oh well, I'm not drinking whatever, and I was like. I'm not drinking either. And I was like, I've got to tell Carla. I need to tell someone. You are like, why are you not drinking? I was like, well. And you just gave me this eye, this look, as if to say, and I think you went, I don't think you allowed your lips to move and you went, are you? Oh, are you? <laughs> and everyone else was dancing, going wild, weren't they? And we were there with our soft yeah, drinks. I know. Thinking, it's over yet. Can we go? Can we go yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. it's to leave. I know. I know. I know. Oh, I know. It's it's it is hard. It is a hard journey. I mean, pregnancy in in. I mean, even trying to conceive. I mean, that is. I mean, your journey. I mean, trying to conceive when there's no possible way you could get pregnant is. <laughs> it's like, you know. I'm, I'm looking. I, I'm glad I can laugh about it now, even because I've got my baby. You know. But I know, like, but still, do you know what? If you wanted multiple children, though. Like that's a lot of time. To, you you could have had two by the time. Like you had to go through all that. I mean, it's it's awful. Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember just going back to the story where I discovered this coil was there, and I was shocked. I got in the car and I and I thought I better tell Connor. You know, Connor's had to jizz in a cup recently to check his fertility. <laughs> not really happy about this. Oh. I'm going to have to let him know there's a reason. You know why yeah. this is all happened to us. And I, I got in the car and got him on loudspeaker. And as I was driving back from this hospital, I was like, you'll never guess what. And he went, you've crashed the car. Yeah. And I was so angry that the first thing he said was, you've crashed the car. I was like, actually, no, it's just yeah. <laughs> And I put the phone down on him. And I was like, so in shock that I wouldn't answer the phone to him all the way back from this hospital. And he was ringing. I'm, texting, I'm sorry. What's wrong? What's oh, wrong? no. Typical man, all he cares about is if I've curbed the alloy. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, oh, it's awful for blokes as well because obviously I'm I'm quite open and and stuff like that. But boys, some boys are a bit more, you know. Danny's like very, you know, quiet and just private a lot more private I suppose than I am um but you know even when you're trying for a baby obviously the first thing they ask is for the men to do that give a sample <laughs> and I remember I must have read it somewhere I can't remember but they said you've got 20 minutes to get it to the hospital and it's got to be warm 
I don't know if I've created this in my mind, no, but it was like... No, it's true. We it was, have to do it as well. Well, it's I true. literally got it off Danny. It was like relay. You know relay at school? Yeah. I remember like getting it off Danny and then tucking it under my arm, getting <laughs> in the car, and I drove all the way there with it under my arm. Then, in, the cup, in your armpit. In my armpit, actually, <laughs> in my armpit. You there when you pull the, the traffic lights. I like, know. Oh, then I couldn't find the sperm place, and I was like, like this. I didn't move my arms because I was keeping it warm, and I rang the sperm. <laughs> woman I want to call her the sperm woman but I rang the sperm woman and I was like listen I've got the sperm and I need to give it in she was like yeah you need to come to this part I said but I don't know where that is I'll come down and get it and it was a dead awkward meet you know like I looked her in the eye and I was like this is wrong like I'm giving her my my partner's she's held my husband's sperm I don't know if I feel okay about this you know <laughs> but but that's you know it's so, so bizarre when you're trying for a baby and everything yeah. like all of these things you have to go through yeah, uh, I mean, poor Connor, he's really private as well. But the funny thing was, we did a private, we did that one with the hospital and we did a private one before that. So um, we had to go to this uh, private hospital where you had to do it on site. And to this day, he swears he's traumatised and he needs compensation for it. <laughs> he went in this room and he said it was like a dentist chair, but it had been covered over with this big tissue, you know, so <laughs> the patient is there as soon as you walk in. It's all covered. He said the room's all, like, ready to be sanitised down as soon as you leave. And on the TV in front of this dentist chair was, like, this 70s porn oh. so it, it was like it wasn't even like nice it was like it was like laughable porn you know they like, all have tashes and curly hair and like full pubes and, and he, was, he was like watching the, he had to watch this horrific sperm and then um obviously Did he managed to he managed it in the end <laughs> It was like half of it shot across the room. Oh, so no. he got was so small. <laughs> um, and he was really mortified about handing this sample in that looked like there was hardly anything there and he didn't want to admit the other half had shot across. Yeah, I did do it. It's over there. You might slip on it, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Is well, yeah, I mean, poor, poor guys who have to do this, you know, to get your answers, basically, as well. I know. But part of you, like, as, as a woman, like, part of you is, like, you want to get to the bottom of it, but you also don't want it to, to feel like it's you either sometimes. Yeah. So you're like, well... It, maybe it's him, you know, maybe it's him. Please be him. Yeah, I know, and you have to do it, you know, sometimes it's just, I mean, you can also, with, with sperm, you'll know about this with, um, well, with the health side of things, you can get it, um, you can get healthier sperm, can't you, by being healthier? Yeah, 100%, like both the woman and the man um, can improve the quality of the egg and the sperm by living a healthier life. Um, that's why there's more pregnancies just after dry January, I think. I'm making oh, really? it as a made-up statistic. But after you've had a good stint with no alcohol, good quality sleep, you're eating a good balanced diet, um, and obviously there are vitamins and supplements you can take, and uh, especially there are, the, I mean, I spent 50 quid on some for Connor when we were waiting for these sperm results, just in case. I was like, take them just in case. Mm. Um, I think he took one, and then he was dead adamant, like he didn't need them, so they, they, they were a waste of money in the end. But a healthier life does lead to healthier sperm and egg, which obviously increases your chance of conception, but also makes a healthier um you know, there's, there's a healthier connection there. So the embryo, et cetera, has much stronger chances of being healthy and genetically, you know, sound. So um, there are also supplements you can take um, because 
we laughed, didn't we, the other day about this geriatric pregnancy word. Um, as you get older, your egg quality diminishes. You've got all your eggs from the moment that you're born. So a female baby has their eggs in the womb, their own eggs, before they even enter the world. Mm. And that's a lot. That's all you get for your whole life. So every time you have a period, you're losing an egg. And the eggs that are left are getting older. So there are supplements that you can take as well that preserve your egg quality. So as soon as I realized I was trying for a baby at like 37 or whenever it was, I started taking these supplements because I was like, these eggs need to stay fresh and healthy. Mm. Um, so I think all of that helped because when my coil went, as I say, I was pregnant immediately. And then after the miscarriage, I did get pregnant again quite quick. So I, I put it down. To, I'm obsessed with supplements. I put it down to all the different vitamins I was rattling. Um, so, yeah, eventually I got there. But, yeah, you can improve it. But, uh, yeah, what made us laugh, wasn't it, was that we were both, we were both classed as geriatric mums. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm almost, like, to the point where they were saying, do you want to sit down? You know, like, I like, <laughs> you got a bad back. <laughs> I know. Oh, look at this older mum. Look at this yeah. older mum. Yeah, we'll get you, get you straight in with, so they put, they put you under a consultant, don't they? Yeah, you know, yeah, um, older, yeah. And I remember going to my consultant uh, for the first meeting or whatever it was, and I remember them being like, right um yeah I don't know why you're here you've got no health issues and I was like oh I think it's because I'm older and they were like oh yeah well that's the reason so I mean I appreciated it because I'd had a miscarriage this consultant really looked after me you have more scans you've got a little bit more contact with the hospital you've got a bit more reassurance haven't you um and obviously it is important to monitor different things um they had to put me on aspirin did they do that with yeah, you I just yeah. took that anyway actually because I'd read quite a lot about that if when I think I took that while I was trying to conceive actually uh, yeah I, you'd obviously have to speak to your doctor about that but I actually I did take a low dose of aspirin and I continued right the way through up to I think was it 38 weeks because at the c-section they don't want you to continue it do they because you can bleed yeah. A lot. Yeah. just for me they just said stop I think it was like 48 hours before yeah but because I was 40 whilst I was pregnant I think you've got an increased risk of clots haven't you and that was the only thing taking the aspirin that was different from my pregnancy when I was younger um but having the consultant gave me peace of mind but you go to the consultant because you're a geriatric mum so I think yeah. they've started trying to change the terminology because a lot of people got insulted by it didn't they yeah I know uh, I know um, but, maternal age they, they call it as well so. well when I went to these when me and you have been to these babe groups I was saying to you I look around I mean maybe 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 this is what happens when you get old though is that you look around and you think I'm the same age as all these like you know but I do it on Love Island you know when I'm watching Love Island I think yeah I'm the same age as them but then I've actually you know I'd left school yeah but I think I'm the same age as everybody but when I was at that babe group the other day I was like look around thinking I'm not old but yeah do well, we life's changed hasn't it we, we're all able to like preserve our looks for a lot longer aren't we yeah. thank you Botox yeah. yeah I mean I haven't had any Botox for 18 months through being pregnant and breastfeeding yeah. I'm like oh come on look at the forehead I'm so used to it oh like, I'm not saying that now is it <laughs> yeah I know you look fucked <laughs> I've got eye bags like like uh, honestly you look great. I I want my Botox, but I'm putting it off till after Christmas because I feel like new year, yeah. new me. You know? Well I had <laughs> I had one of those moments I was like, I'm gonna stop breastfeeding because I need Botox. Yeah. And um then I was like, No, but my baby loves it and he's mm. he's happy and that's his nourishment and he's healthy and growing. 
So uh, one of my other friends said, you can pump and dump. Well, I hadn't heard of this. <laughs> so, uh, you can't, by the way. I don't think you can. Uh, but So I went, I booked an appointment and I went for a, a Botox consultation and I said to this girl, right, I'm ready. You know, I've been pregnant. Look at the state of me. I look knackered. Help me out here. I'm up three times in the night. And she said, right, okay, this is great. I'm going to do this Botox in a minute. Uh, doing a consultation, are you breastfeeding? I said, yeah, but don't worry. I'm going to pump and dump. And she, she went, whoa. She said, I can't, I can't do it. Now you've told me that. She said, there's no research as to whether you can have Botox when you're breastfeeding. So the advice is just not to do it. Mm. And for a minute, I was like, well, I'm going to book with someone else because I know people who have. And then in my head, I thought, no, do you know what? You can take being a little bit more wrinkly at 41 years yeah. old the sake of your baby's health oh so, yeah no and it's just it's just you just want to feel normal don't you uh, uh, yeah. you just want to feel good but yeah. I mean and you look great to me so I don't think you actually need it um but, but yeah why has it stopped me getting all the lines maybe, the lines? maybe. Botox wasn't um when I had my first son Botox wasn't really a thing nobody did anything we had those skinny eyebrows no eyelashes so when I had my son, I didn't really, I, I just felt tired and, you know, a little bit frumpy mm. for a while. But when I had Clay 13 years later, society, oh my God, the shift, you like, you're so used to having like your lashes, your brows done. Well, not maybe not everybody does, but I was. Mm. Uh, I'd done everything to make my life as easy as possible being a personal trainer. So I could just get up and go to the gym without putting any makeup on in the morning. Mm. And um, you've got Instagram, you've got Facebook, all these things like that make you more aware as well it's mm. totally different having a baby now oh yeah mm, it definitely is I, especially when someone asks like when you do when your baby's like in the car and you've already had it oh, oh yeah when are you having the baby again you're like yeah I had them don't yeah. worry yeah I had them yeah. just still enjoying a bit of you know eating <laughs> what I want and stuff I mean the yeah. thing is I think society now I just decided this time I'm going to take my time getting back to how yeah. getting back I'm still going it's been a year um but I just think it's just about life's for living isn't it certainly Covid has made me realize I like food I like alcohol and yes. I'm going to continue and yeah. I like it as long as as long as I'm being healthy in other areas you know you know, it's not balance. fully. It is balanced, absolutely. Yeah. There's no point depriving yourself long term of anything. Like, obviously, if somebody want needs to lose weight to be healthier, or they need to make, take action, then there can be a short period of time where you, you do do things, make steps, don't drink for a month or whatever mm. it is to to speed things along a little bit. But after that, you've got to get back to a norm, haven't you, of yeah. balance. The same after a pregnancy. It's like, how quickly do I get back to this, this norm where I've got more balance? And I'm 100% with you. I'm in no rush. I wasn't one of these personal trainers doing these overhead barbell squats with a big bump. It didn't feel right to me. So I actually tapered my exercise off after my second trimester to just going for walks with the dog yeah um, and now it's like the same slowly slowly tapering it I'm just up. starting for the first time ever <laughs> no I, I'm actually my brother is actually just doing a little bit in the garage at the moment because I've done my garage out I've just been doing a little bit and getting do you know what it really does make you feel good doesn't it exercise Mentally. When you're not doing it, you forget how fresh and sharp it makes your mind feel. Because mm. you get into this like, oh, I haven't got time for it. And I've got the baby. The opportunity is not there. 
And then all of a sudden you do some exercise and you go, whoa, it's like a light switch has been switched yeah. off for me. I know it probably is dopamine or whatever. It is. It? That's exactly it. It's like, yeah, free high. Yeah. yeah just do exactly. a bit of exercise. Yeah. Uh, I have been enjoying it. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. So, Katie, I think we've we've like been nearly an hour now of chatting and Absolutely. we could chat so much more. So this is what happens when friends get together. You I know. I feel like we've got a lot more to talk about. So I think, you know, we should potentially kind of record another about it. We've got a few yeah. other bits. And I'm really, I think for, for this season of Fifty Shades of Motherhood, really important to me personally to have these mum chats because sometimes you can think, am I alone feeling like this? Or, you know, you just question things, don't you? And I think it's a good way to catch up and also feel normal you know yeah. someone else to say oh I felt like that and you're like oh thank god yeah we've got we've got plenty of opportunity to compare notes and it's nice for that isn't it it's mm. nice to be able to compare notes with someone and go yeah my life is normal it's okay <laughs> it's okay we're, we're surviving it just about so yeah, yeah thank you so much Katie will you tell everyone where they can find you um so they can yeah. give you a follow yeah definitely well best place to get me is on Instagram and my Instagram handle is um at coach with a k uh, underscore katie brilliant and as you know you can find me at my bump to number two baby yeah. so that's where you can find me and um katie i think we should definitely catch up again very soon yeah yeah i'd love to and if anyone wants to message with things that they want to talk they want us to talk about like for example if we've got a fitness or health related question or anything whilst i'm on again yes more than happy to answer those if that's all right with you yeah that's perfect in fact q and a's are great because anyone wants to send anything in any bit of gossip you know that you want us to share about like anything oh, you know oh. maybe your partner getting the snip or not getting the snip or you know any particular topics you want us to talk about let's just talk about them yeah. so, even if you just want to say haha because that happened or you know yeah. just comment on what we've talked about then i'm happy to to chat great well thank you so much katie you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope you did too. We'll be back next week with more mum chats, more honest, raw, real, unapologetic, uncensored mum chats and I can't wait if you enjoyed today's episode don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode and also if you did particularly like this one don't forget to leave us a little review it really does do us the world of good with our rankings for our podcast and finally if you have something that you want to share with either myself or Katie, then please feel free to message us on the links at the bottom of this podcast. Anyway, we look forward to speaking to you next time on 50 Shades of Motherhood. Are you looking for local pregnancy to preschool groups, classes and lessons to go to with your children? 
If that's the case, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com where you can find the latest groups and classes in your local area. As well as that, if you are looking for financial advice, family law advice or a local estate agent, you can also access our family protection and legal directory www.mybumptobaby.com forward slash family protection legal. We have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you, the ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bumped Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today.